After three straight nights of good old-fashioned beating and banging short track racing, we're going to be reviewing the race weekend, and we're going to cover all the topics, including William Byron's dominating Martinsville weekend, Brandon Jones' clutch overtime victory, and, of course, the fight between Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer post-race on Friday night, all on this episode of 3 Wide. So starting off the race weekend, this time on a Thursday night at Martinsville, you had the truck series. And I love race weekends like this where you have a race on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. Normally, you're having to wait till the fall in Bristol. But but it feels like it's a good way to kind of round out your work week and enjoy the weekend. It gives you a little time to kick back Saturday night and watch some good cup racing. But as I said, the truck series would kick everything off Thursday. You had Zane Smith and Kyle Busch on the front row. You had William Byron making a start for Spire Motorsports. This is that team's third overall race in the truck series. They've made starts with Austin Hill and Alex Bowman so far this season. And William would roll off 32nd. You also had Johnny Sauter making his second start of the season, this time driving for Thor Sport, where he has made his career in the truck series with that team. He would roll off 36th. And early on, Johnny Sauter let his presence be known. Johnny is definitely a more physical, aggressive driver. He would wind up uh, getting Haley Deegan into the wall coming off of turn two. And Haley made a, some pretty heavy contact, got a lot of damage. And Haley's one of those drivers that's had a rough start to the season and was just looking for a solid day to be able to get going in the right direction. Obviously, she was not happy with that at all, saying she hoped to get back to him and she would repay the favor. Uh, other than that, it was a quiet stage one. You had Zane Smith dominate the stage for the win followed by Stuart Friesen in second and Ben Rhodes in third. You had John Hunter Nemechek in fourth, followed by Grant Enfinger in fifth. Christian Eckes was able to finish in sixth, followed by Derek Krause in seventh. Tanner Gray got eighth, Chase Purdy in ninth, and Tyler Ankrum in tenth. And there towards the end of stage one, there was a caution, and several drivers, they stopped uh, to do some pit strategy, and it really kind of flipped the field once the race got back going in stage two had ben rhodes take control of the race get the lead and it allowed drivers like carson hosevar william byron matt de benedetto and johnny Sauter to get up there in the top 10 and get some track position while putting drivers that have been up there grant enfinger zane smith and tanner gray towards the mid pack and towards the rear in traffic so they would have to work their way through that and during this uh first part of the stage two drivers they were starting to get lapped and at one point you had johnny Sauter going by Haley deegan putting her another lap down and Haley deegan did not follow through on what she said she, you know she was hoping would happen uh, as johnny was passing by she did nothing just allowed him to go by on the inside there was no contact made which was pretty surprising because Haley has definitely made a career at least down in the k and n series where she had won some races she had no problem you know putting the bumper to drivers even her teammates and knocking them out of the way. She was a, a physical, aggressive driver as well. And so I was surprised to see her not do anything. I, I believe she's going to have to kind of go back to that type of racing, at least on these short tracks, to kind of get the message across not to, to mess with her. Because she did get used up quite a bit in this race by these drivers. And she's very talented, very aggressive, as I said. I just think she's going to have to go back to that, showing drivers that, that she is not one to be pushed around. 
Ben Rhodes was able to dominate this stage uh, like Zane Smith did in stage one. He would get the stage win, followed by his teammate Christian Eckes. Carson Hosovar was able to finish in third after the pit strategy. Zane Smith finished in fourth, followed by John Hunter Nemechek in fifth. You had Ty Majeski come in sixth, Matt DiBenedetto in seventh. Then you had Parker Clearman in eighth. Grant Enfinger came back for a ninth-place finish, and Taylor Gray, the brother of Tanner, finished in 10th in Stage 2. And during the pit stops after Stage 2, everybody's getting ready for the final sprint to the finish in Stage 3. Zane Smith had a speeding penalty coming off pit road, which really kind of ruined his chances at getting a win, possibly. He had been a solid driver at Martinsville. He won last year's fall race to get in the championship four had a dominant stage one, got put back due to some pit strategy, and this definitely would not help his cause as now he was going to have to come back from the rear of the field. And there at stage three, William Byron really took control of the race. He definitely showed he had one of the stronger trucks, and it was going to be kind of a race behind him as to who could finish second. We did have a, another teammate incident, which has kind of been the storyline, it seems, to be in the this NASCAR season across all three series. You had Ben Rhodes trying to make a move underneath Christian Eckes, his teammate, and Stuart Friesen going into turn three. Ben Rhodes took him three wide. He was on the bottom. You had Eckes kind of forcing the issue, trying to push him down to to get Ben Rhodes to get out of the gas. But Ben had the line. He was up well past his fender up towards his wheel, and he held it. And so that forced Rhodes towards the curb. And as Rhodes was trying to come up as they went into turn three, he bounced into Christian Eckes, in which Eckes went into Stuart Friesen and caused him to, to spin. So Stuart was really just an innocent bystander at this point. He was just cruising along on the outside, just trying to maintain his position and wound up getting taken out. And during the caution, Christian Eckes showed his displeasure with his teammate, driving up close, getting pretty close to him during the cautions. And, you know, these two guys, they may be teammates, but they do have a history. You know, they had the incident earlier this year at Las Vegas as well as in Texas back when Christian Eckes drove for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the 18 truck. Uh, ben Rhodes turned Eckes head on into the front stretch wall. Eckes made hard contact. And as he got out of the vehicle and the drivers were coming back around, Christian gave him the double number one salute letting him know what he thought of him. So, like I said, while these guys may be teammates, there's definitely something simmering there. Could could be a little rivalry brewing in the Thor Sport shop. But uh, other than that, the last 36 laps of the race was run under green flag conditions, and it really allowed William Byron to cruise to the win, and Johnny Sauter would come home in second. Kyle Busch would finish in third after having a relatively quiet day by his standards in the truck series. John Hunter Nemechek came in fourth, followed by Ben Rhodes in fifth, Chandler Smith in sixth, Matt Kraft in seventh, Grant Enfinger finished in eighth, and you had Zane Smith able to come back and get a solid top ten finish with a ninth place, and Tyler Ankrum rounded out the top ten. And for Spire Motorsports, this was their first truck win and just their third start, and this is their first overall win as a team across any series since Justin Haley won for them back in 2019. Uh, at the cup race in Daytona, which that race was range-shortened for, for both their the team and the driver's first career wins. So right now, Spire Motorsports, obviously, uh, as far as their truck team is concerned, they're getting some good, solid drivers in those trucks and right now just looking to, to get trophies on the shelf. So William Byron, he was able to do that, bringing home a grandfather clock for them.
Now, Friday night, as everyone was getting off work and looking to kickstart their weekend, there was no better way to do it than sit back and enjoy the action we saw Friday night with the Xfinity Series. And it was a lot of action going on indeed, especially at the end of the race. You had Ty Gibbs and Justin Allgaier starting on the front row and Dale Jr. making his one start of the season at Martinsville. Uh, He's been making these one-off starts ever since he retired from full-time competition in the Cup Series, and the crowd made their way out. They they definitely were in full force to see Dale Jr. on the track again. And kind of like the Truck Series race, it was a quiet stage one. You did have two cautions. One of them happened on lap one for Brennan Poole, who blew a motor and had fluid all over the track, so they had to clean that up. And there was also a stalled car caution at one point during this first stage. Uh, other than that, it was a dominant stage one for Ty Gibbs. He was followed by Justin Allgaier in second. You had Ryan Truex making his second start of the season for Joe Gibbs in third, followed by Landon Castle in fourth. And he had his teammates Daniel Hemrick and A.J. Allmendinger behind him in fifth and sixth. Brandon Jones finished in seventh, followed by Josh Berry in eighth. Sam Mayer in ninth, and Sheldon Creed rounded out the top ten. Now, in stage two, there was a caution that came out with five laps to go and several leaders pitted, and that really flipped around the running order when the green flag fell. At the same time as the white flag, we had a one-lap shootout to end stage one, and Brandon Jones came away with the stage win. Uh, Landon Castle came in second, followed by Ryan Singh in third, so he got some solid bonus points towards the standings. Brandon Brown finished fourth. And here's where you start hearing some names you normally don't see at the top of the running order at any point during a Xfinity race, like David Starr in fifth. Uh, Anthony Alfredo did finish in sixth, followed by Stephon Parsons in seventh. Jeremy Clements was able to finish in eighth, followed by Riley Herbst in ninth. And Shane Lee rounded out the top ten in stage two. And, and stage three is where it all really, you know, everything kind of got kick-started. All the, the drama, the contact, the physicality of the race – you had Ty Gibbs. He took over the race at this point. Uh, Justin Allgaier w- was one of the spins with nine, 95 laps to go. He was running second at the moment. And looks like he kind of wheel hopped going in the corner and the back end of the car stepped out on him and he spun out. And that ruined what was looking to be a solid day. He looked like a guy who could at least get up there and possibly contend with Ty Gibbs. Ty was definitely the class of the field. So that knocked Allgaier's chances of a win away. And some other incidents that happened in, in stage three that were really noteworthy you had ryan truex get spun by alex LeBay with 85 to go and at this point truex he had fell back to the 16th position so he definitely had his work cut out for him trying to get a solid finish with joe gibbs you also had josh berry cut a tire and spin after he had made contact with his car owner dale earnhardt jr and also with 21 laps to go daniel hemrick defending champ he had a flat tire and spins out and it was just ahead of Ryan Sieg, Dale Jr., and Austin Hill, who were going three wide into the corner behind them. Uh, a lot of contact between those three drivers. Ryan Sieg wound up getting some damage to the rear of his car. Uh, the rear fender, it was hanging off, but able to to finish the race with that. And, and as with each caution, you know, the, the restarts, they were really getting physical. You could see what kind of finish we were getting set up for. You had it mainly between Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer, who those two are, are definitely rivals. They, they've they not really gotten along ever since their days of racing in ARCA, and even before then, these are two drivers that simply just do not get along, and they have no problem letting it be known. 
uh, Noah Gregson, he had worked his way up towards the front. It looked like he was a, had a strong chance of winning again at Martinsville. And Brandon Jones was right there in fourth as well. And I think out of all four of those drivers, well, besides Ty Gibbs, Ty Gibbs was the dominant car. Brandon Jones had a solid one and looked like if he could get in the right spot, he would be the one that could contend and get the win away from Ty. Uh, and where this all really gets set up after all these cautions that led up to this moment, you had Dale Jr. get spun by Jeremy Clements as Clements was battling Josh Berry going into turn one. They made contact, and it sent Clements into Dale Jr., and that set up an overtime restart, and we had a big crash just after the green flag fell going into turn one. Sam Mayer, who was starting on the outside in second, he missed a shift and looked like he spun his tires and did not have complete control of the car. He had A.J. Allmendinger pushing on him, which A.J. really had no other option. He, he This is a restart. Everybody's nose to tail. It's not like A.J. had anywhere to go. And that wound up sending Sam Mayer into his teammate Noah Gregson, sends Gregson up across the track, and, and it was just calamity from then. Uh, it became a full traffic jam. You had... Jeb Burton make hard contact with Noah Gregson. That took Jeb out of the race. Brandon Brown, he was out after this accident. He had some heavy contact. Uh, guys like Riley Herbst, Austin Hill, Josh Berry had some severe damage, uh, along with Daniel Hemrick and Justin Allgaier, whose day just really went downhill after that spin in the final stage. And, and really, this last stage, uh, with all these cautions, you had nine cautions. And the longest green flag run was 35 laps. And outside of that, they never even touched double-digit green flag laps. And so with that big accident, after a lengthy red flag trying to get everything cleaned up, it set up a second overtime finish. Again, Sam Mayer versus Ty Gibbs. Uh, Brandon Jones, he was up there in the inside of row two. But he had older tires, but he still had quite a bit of speed. And A.J. Allmendinger, after the big wreck, had worked his way up to fourth. And one of the little side stories that was going on, you had Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs, and A.J. They were all running for the Dash for Cash bonus for $100,000. Um, so so a lot was on the line for these drivers up there towards the front. When they went into turn one after taking the green flag, Brandon Jones, who had said earlier in the caution that basically he had no problem knocking Ty Gibbs out of the way for the win. You know, and I'm sure that the reason Brandon said that you had Ty last week running John Hunter Nemechek up the track to get the win, his own teammate. So Brandon Jones probably figured, Hey, you know, going for the win, let's take the gloves off and we'll go for it. And going into turn one, he actually nudged Ty Gibbs up the track However, Ty was able to maintain and stay in front of Brandon Jones and clear him coming out of turn two. So by And by the time they come back around, taking the white flag, Brandon's able to get under Ty going into turn one and is able to go side-by-side side with him into turn three. And at this point, Jones, he had kind of gotten a pretty – about a half a car length ahead of Ty. Sam Mayer, who who was behind all this, he comes in and bumps Gibbs up the track, obviously going for that dash for cash bonus. And while he's doing that, Landon Castle makes a move under both drivers, sends them three wide, and there was just not enough room. All three drivers, you know, rubbing up against each other, coming out of the final corner. It sent Ty and Sam up the track and ultimately allowed AJ to get by on the inside of both drivers, and he would win the dash for cash. 
Um, so you have Brandon Jones able to get the win. Uh, Landon Castle gets his best career finish in second place. A.J. Allmendinger finished in third, followed by Austin Hill in fourth. Sam Mayer was able to make it to the line in fifth, followed by Riley Herbst in sixth. Ryan Truex was able to overcome his spin and finish in seventh, followed by Ty Gibbs in eighth, Ryan Sieg in ninth, and Jeremy Clements rounded out the top ten. You did have Dale Jr. able to finish in 11th after the big one in turn going into turn one. He was able to make his way through it and get a solid finish for his one start. And this is when it all gets fun. You had uh, Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer going at it post-race. It all started going down the back straightaway. Ty comes up on the back of Sam Mayer and doesn't really nudge him but slams into him hard enough. It, it caves in Sam Mayer's rear bumper. Ty's hood goes, you know, come, gets popped up. So some pretty good contact between them. Uh, and as they come on pit road, you could tell that that wasn't going to be the end of it. Both drivers quickly get out of their car. As Sam's getting out, looks like he's trying to take his Hans and his helmet off. Gibbs approaches him, uh, and, and they're going face-to-face, having words. And as Sam Mayer's taking off his helmet, it, it appears, you know, which we saw from the backside on the camera angle, Ty, I don't know if it was like a little push, a little rabbit punch. Either way, he he made some physical contact with Sam Mayers. He was trying to get his helmet off. And as soon as he did that, he turned around and Ty headed back to his car. Now, before all that took place, the, the physical contact between them, as Ty was making his way over to Sam Mayer, Ty had actually pushed an official out of the way who was trying to keep him from going over there. Uh, so that's something that NASCAR will probably take a look at. But nevertheless, as Ty's going back to his car, Sam Mayer finishes taking off his helmet and his safety equipment and, and follows him, you know, I'm sure as Gibbs put his hands on him, he said, okay, well, let's go back to the, your car and we'll finish it. And as they're, they're both at the car, as I said, Ty still got his helmet on, Sam's his, his is off, and, and they're jawing back and forth. And Sam actually gets a hold of Ty's visor and, like, pushes it up pushes it out of uh, Ty's eyes, and you could tell Sam was trying to get him just take off your helmet. You know, it, Sam was wanting to fight. And so they're jawing back and forth. Sam gives Ty a shove, at which point Ty comes back throwing punches and makes some good contact, uh, punching Sam in the eye. At that point, he gets Sam in a headlock. They go to the ground, and it's just a scrum from there, just trying to get the driver separated. They're able to get it broken up. And at this point, the crowd's screaming they're booing just going nuts because it's not often you see uh physical altercation to that level after these races there's always you know some jawing some pushing some shoving but never a whole lot of uh, punching going on so this was definitely a, a rare sight and ty gibbs in his interview uh he said he he and this is where I got confused. He says he tried to go talk to Sam Mayer, but then Sam got in his face, and Ty said, at that point, you just got to start fighting. My problem with that is you could clearly see on the camera what we were watching. You know, Ty was the first one to go up to Sam, get up to Sam's face, and as Sam was trying to get his helmet off, Ty takes a shot at him. Like I said, it could have been a push, a little rabbit punch, I don't know, but it completely contradicts what Ty is saying here. I don't know if Ty thinks that that wasn't seen and he's just immediately cutting back to when Sam followed him to his car. Uh, but 
uh, anyway, it's, he also says he was frustrated that he got driven into the wall. But then again, he did it last week, referencing his contact with his teammate, John Hunter, and, and said that's part of it. So, I mean, here we had a, a fight go on on pit road where you've socked this guy to the eye a couple times while keeping your helmet on. And you go back and do your interview and literally just pretty much end it with saying, you know, that's just part of it, you know, us racing hard and, you know, getting frustrated there at the end. Well, drivers are always frustrated, but I've I've never seen them take it to that point like Ty did um, that fast. The crowd, they were booing Ty loudly. It was, you know, very reminiscent of Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott back in 2017. Uh, obviously, after this, Ty Gibbs was going to the holler, as well as Sam Mayer. Now, Ty, he was going anyway. He had been called to the holler earlier in the race. He had sped around some safety equipment, and NASCAR was not very happy about that. Uh, normally, that's a penalty when you do that. You have to go to the rear of the field, but instead, NASCAR just warns him and calls him to the holler. And per Jordan Bianchi, he tweeted, uh, both drivers, they met for about 10 minutes in the NASCAR holler. Both drivers shook hands, and, and NASCAR, they'll be reviewing the incident, you know, for any penalties, but they considered the matter over, I guess, as far as anything further on the track that they don't think will, will happen. Um, and that's a nice thought, but with as long as these two guys have been going at it with each other, I, I doubt that this is the end of anything. Um, you know... And it 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 will be quiet. And my this is my prediction. It'll probably be quiet. They'll mind their p's and q's around each other on the track. Won't do anything crazy. But when the playoffs start, I mean, you got Ty Gibbs, who's obviously locked in the playoffs. He's a strong championship favorite. And Sam Mayer, I, he will be in the playoffs. I feel like you know whether he has to point his way in, or I wouldn't be surprised to see him win a race before then. And we've seen, you know, if history shown us anything, when these playoffs start, it's like a clean slate in the way of we're, we're going to get back to knocking each other around. We're going to go for this championship, and which that's fine. So, like I said, it'll probably be quiet for the next little bit, but once the playoffs roll around, it's going to be a whole different story. I wouldn't be surprised to see penalties come from this incident. Probably nothing severe. I'm not talking suspensions or anything like that. But I think with Ty, the pushing the official out of the way and, and you know, starting the, fit, the incident with Sam Mayer and then the, the fighting, the throwing punches while keeping your helmet on, that's definitely not going to be a good look on Ty. Uh, I think penalties, they'll probably also, you know, give a little slap on the wrist to Sam. But that official who he, you know, Ty shoved out of the way after everything was, you know, said and done, the fight was over. That official actually had to be put on a stretcher and taken to the infield care center. It looked like he was trying to stand up and he just went straight to the ground. I looked like something with his knee or his leg. So NASCAR is definitely not going to put up with anything like that where their officials are, you know, getting hurt because these two drivers are, are fighting. Um, so uh, to me, th this looks, you know, I said last week's episode, there's going to com come a point where we're going to find out if Ty can take it as well as he gives it. And this incident showed he cannot. Um, he, he got knocked out of the way, you know, essentially short track racing. You know, Sam Mayer was going to get make contact, try to get that $100,000 bonus, and it didn't work. But 
Todd just, you know, kind of flipped out for a second and, and went after him. So, and, and a lot of these drivers, you know, like veterans like A.J. Allmendinger, Landon Castle, they're, they're going to take notice. They're going to see that, hey, we can get this guy easily rattled. He, he can't take the contact like he gives it. We can, you know, really get in his head. And also junior motorsports, to me, I mean, you look at, I mean, Noah Gregson, you know, this is a prime spot for him to really start messing with Ty, I think. You know, I know Noah, you know, he's had his problems with his teammates in the past, but still I, I don't see junior motorsports taking this really lying down. I think they're going to rally around Sam. And so it's going to be up to Ty to now really show his toughness on the track because he's probably going to be getting ready for, for a pretty rough stretch of races as far as how drivers are going to drive around him. Um, which I, I know Ty's obviously not in the best friend making business. He's there to win, and he does it a lot. Uh, so we'll we'll see. It's definitely setting up to be a, a interesting stretch and finish to the Xfinity season. So we will see what happens from there. Ultimately, I was entertained. I enjoyed the race. You know, I enjoy it anytime. There's you know just as any fan. It, it, that there's conflict between drivers. You know, little rivalries. That's what makes the sport. You know, I guarantee Martinsville has got their commercial for the next five years when it comes to their races. NASCAR, they're going to advertise this. That's what fuels the sport is, you know, drivers you cheer for, drivers you boo, you know, guys you just can't stand, guys you want to see just win it all. That That is what drives the sport, and I think NASCAR has got their next great rivalry here in front of them. And with all that that happened Friday night at the Xfinity race, everybody was on the edge of their seat coming into Saturday night's cup race, you know, waiting to see what the next, you know, conflict was going to be, what driver was going to be mad at, you know, who, and where, where was the drama going to be? And it was kind of a letdown from Friday night, to be honest with you. You had a, a very quiet, you know, Martinsville race. You had on the front row, Chase Elliott, Eric Almarola, Chase was my pick for this race. Uh, besides road courses, Martinsville seems to be Chase's type of track. Um, and I was looking pretty good with my pick for the first 185 laps or so. It was a quiet stage one and two. There were no cautions besides stage breaks. Chase Elliott led every single lap. Uh, and when stage one finished, you had Chase first. William Byron finished in second, followed Cole Custer in third, so it was a solid stage finish for him. Christopher Bell in fourth, Eric Almirola in fifth. You had Kevin Harvick in sixth, followed by Ryan Blaney in seventh. Joey Logano in eighth, Austin Sendrick in ninth, and Kurt Busch was able to finish tenth in that stage. And as I said, you know, there were no cautions in stage two. It looked a whole lot more like stage one. You know, Chase Elliott again wins that one. William Byron again finishes second. You did have Joey Logano finish in third, followed by Ryan Blaney in fourth. Cole Custer still able to get a fifth-place finish in stage two. Austin Dillon had worked his way up into a sixth-place finish in stage two, followed by Eric Almarola in seventh. Austin Sendrick finished eighth, followed by Christopher Bell in ninth, and Kevin Harvick in tenth. And this is where we saw our first lead change was on pit road uh, during the stage two break. William Byron beats Chase coming off of pit road. And from there, it was just all William Byron. 
Um, and, and during stage two, drivers, you know, they, they were struggling with passing. They weren't getting many green flag passes. You saw Chase Elliott drop to fifth after the restart. He had, it was in second, and Logano came up from third and, and just shoved Chase out of the way. You know, with these new composite bodies and how glued the cars were to the track, especially it was a one-lane race, you know, that that's the way it had to be done to make a pass, it seemed like. You had to really just go in and, you know, shove a guy up the track, beat and bang with him to get him out of shape and out of the way. So Logano did what he had to do to get by, and ultimately Chase, as I said, he dropped back, drops back to fifth. Uh, William Byron continues to dominate. We had our first natural caution with 88 laps to go. Uh, you had Denny Hamlin. He, he'd been struggling. He was in the back, you know, running in the 26th position, two laps down. He apparently had lost uh, fuel pressure installed, and this was just after green flag stops had finished. So, I mean, had this caution come out maybe three or four laps earlier, it really probably could have – flip the race over on his head and caused, you know, a little bit of excitement in it as far as how the running order would be. Ultimately, that was not the case. Uh, and after this restart, you know, with the caution, drivers were starting to get more aggressive. You know, as I said with Logano, they realized, hey, we're really going to get physical with each other. If we want to make passes, we're going to have to knock each other out of the way. Uh, it wasn't anything... I would I wouldn't say it was anything dirty. It was just the hand they were dealt, and they had to do what they had to do to make passes. Um, we we ran green all the way until a caution was seven laps to go. Todd Gilliland he got into the turn four wall, uh, and really, if the caution hadn't come out, I mean, it was obviously going to be William Byron's. He had stretched his lead out over Austin Dillon, um, and when that caution came out, the real question was who was going to pit you know if William Byron came in obviously I mean I would I was betting on people were going to gamble tires didn't seem to be making that big a difference it was just too hard to pass ultimately William Byron several of the leaders stayed out until Kyle Busch who was back in the eighth ninth position he decided to come in and get some fresh tires and this set up a overtime finish uh, you had William Byron on the inside Austin Dylan wound up taking the inside of row two behind William Byron, and Joey Logano was on the outside of row one. Austin obviously picked that inside lane just because that would give him the best shot to go in to whether it was turn one or turn three to, you know, take a shot at Byron, shove him up the track and try to get by him. Um, ultimately, William Byron was able to, to get away from Austin Dillon. Austin didn't get the best restart he could. Uh, he Byron did have to fight off Logano for a couple corners. You know, Logano, he was going to be physical. Shoved Byron a couple times. Ultimately, Byron survived and was able to get the win. And this was the first time in his career he's had a, a multi-win season. So definitely a, a solid start for this driver this early in the season. And he's also the first driver this season to win more than one race um, as far as the playoff standings go. So he's sitting pretty good right now on the playoff board. Obviously, we still got a lot of racing still to go. Um, so who knows where we will be by the time the cutoffs start. Um, William Byron, as I said, he got the win. You had Joey Logano finish in second. Austin Dillon was able to come away with a third-place finish, followed by Ryan Blaney in fourth, Ross Chastain in fifth, Kurt Busch finished in sixth, followed by Kyle Busch in seventh, Eric Almirola in eighth, 
Chase Briscoe in ninth, and Chase Elliott would round out the top ten. Um, and, and really what was surprising to me, uh, there was a couple things surprising to me before I jump into it. You had just two cautions in this race. There were no passes for the lead on the track under green flag conditions. All the passes happened either during the pit cycle or during the stage break caution pit stops. And the question was, is this a product of the new car or was it the weather conditions? It was a very cold weekend up there at the track. Uh, Dale Jr., he kind of alluded to it in a tweet, and it's one that I definitely agree with. He said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, with a mixture of a wider tire, which gives you more grip, uh, independent rear suspension, which gives you more grip, and with the five-speed transmission, which gives you more acceleration, it, this is about what you're going to have at this kind of track. Um, it was going to string everybody out, make it a one-lane track. Um, so it was really kind of a, a mixture of the two. I mean, the weather conditions, it wasn't a hot, you know, slick night on the track. So these guys were able to have, you know, complete grip. Uh, I, and ultimately, just nobody could, could get by anyone. Um the other thing what was surprising was Joe Gibbs Racing continuing their struggles on the cup side. Uh, you did have Kyle Busch, who finished in seventh. He was their highest finisher. Uh, Christopher Bell, he finished in 20th. He had been running in the top five, top ten most of the day. He got a, a penalty there towards the end on pit road, which shot him to the to the rear of the field. And, uh, you know, it was so hard to pass. I mean, that kind of ended his chances at a solid finish. Martin Truex Jr., who really has owned Martinsville the past few years, he would finish 22nd. And Denny Hamlin, there at the end, uh, his he just had a long day in general. He finished in 28th and I believe wound up being three laps down. So a very uncharacteristic day. You know, Richmond and Martinsville are their best two tracks, it seems like, on the schedule. While they did get the win and some solid finishes at Richmond, they really struggled today. I'm not sure if they just missed the setup on their cars or, or was last weekend's win, you know, in solid finishes a, a fluke, really. Are are they set up for a type of year like Stuart Haas Racing had where they just gonna, they're going to have struggles trying to adjust to this new car? You know, the jury's still out on that. It's, it's too early in the year to make that decision or, you know, come to that conclusion. I think once we, you know, get through Road America, get through the halfway point of the season, it'll be interesting to see where these drivers sit. Um, And we'll know better then as far as if they're starting to, you know, get back on the right path. Denny, he does have that one win, but if we keep having these, you know, new winners every week, he, you know, could be the first guy in danger of not making the playoffs even with the win. So that that is going to be a storyline to watch as the weeks go on. And, you know, definitely while this might have been a snoozer of a race, you know, we were bound to have a race like this at some point during the season, especially with this new car. I hate it was Martinsville. I hate it's the, the short tracks just because you have fans clamoring for more short tracks. Um, it, it definitely shouldn't be uh, something that I think takes NASCAR's eyes off of running more short track races, but it very well may. And they said, you know, they've said from the beginning, beginning they think this car is going to be better suited for road courses, four mile and a half, whereas the short track program suffers. <clears throat> I hope they get that fixed just because, 
you know, short track racing is the bread and butter of NASCAR, in my opinion. And, you know, you can't sacrifice, I think, this this racing just for the new car. So I, I know, you know, without a doubt, NASCAR is going to take what they learned from this season as a whole. They're not going to go off just these two first two races. They're going to wait, you know, see how these cars race at Bristol in the fall, how it races at Martinsville in the fall, and I'm sure adjustments will be made, hopefully, for some better racing next season. But, you know, for this season, we might just want to be ready for, for this kind of deal at these short tracks. You know, we'll, we will have to wait and see. And, you know, I, ho- I hope it doesn't come to that where we, we stop going to these uh, adding new short tracks and limiting ourselves. And now, after all the beating and banging, hard racing, and the fights, let's uh, start pointing out our spotlight performers from the weekend. Drivers who may not have gotten the trophy, but they still had a solid day, able to make the most out of the equipment they had and get the best finish out of it. Uh, starting out in the truck series, my spotlight driver is Johnny Sauter, who made his return to Thor Sport since his uh, full-time season last year. He is obviously a part-time starter this year. This was his first top five finish since September of 2021. And Johnny is a guy who had, you know, raced across the Xfinity and Cup Series with some minimal success. He did get some Xfinity wins. Uh, Outside of that, wasn't a a whole lot going on for him. But then he steps down to the Truck Series, and, and really his career takes off where he gets 24 wins. He was the 2016 champ when he was driving for Thor Sport then. His last win now came in 2019. So he's obviously, you know, on the back part of his career. Don't know how much longer he's going to be doing this as far as in the National Series. Uh, I know he said he, you know, hopes to be back racing at Texas. Most likely he'll probably be back with Thor Sport there. But either way, it was nice to see him, you know, get some top-tier equipment and get a high note and a good finish out of that day. Now, in the Xfinity Series, my spotlight driver is going to be Ryan Truex. And Ryan, making a second start for Joe Gibbs Racing, spent most of the race in the top five, top ten, and then he gets spun out, and it looked like it was going to be kind of like his first start with Joe Gibbs where he had a solid day, and it all just kind of falls apart on him. He isn't able to get the finish to really show how well he ran. Uh, but ultimately, Ryan kept digging and was able to finish in seventh place. His first top 10 since 2019, back when he was driving in part-time with Junior Motorsports, you know, another team, top-tier equipment. So Ryan's a guy who can definitely get some solid finishes, you know, might be able to sneak in and get a win if he can get a solid effort from a full-time Xfinity team. You know, so he's definitely going to try and make the most out of what starts he has, but but it was good to see him get a solid top 10 out of this day. And now we go to the Cup Series, where Austin Dillon is my spotlight driver. He finishes in third place, his second top five this season, but his third straight top 10 finish so far. And Austin, he has quietly had a solid year, even though his teammate Tyler Reddick has been the one to grab the headlines and the attention. You know, there was a couple races early in the season where, you know, he was in a good spot to get a solid finish, but just couldn't finish it off, whether it was, you know, being taken out in a wreck or or mechanical issues, what have you. Right now he sits 16th in points. Obviously he needs to keep, you know, tacking off these solid finishes, you know, 
possibly sneak up there and get a win. And, and that's mostly been Austin's cup career. Just when you least suspect it, he shows up out of nowhere and he will get a win uh, when it counts. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a win before the playoffs start. But either way, if he can keep having these, these good finishes he, and keep putting himself in position for those wins, it, he very well could have a career year. And now we go to uh, well, not really a short track. It used to be until they decided to throw dirt on it. Uh, you got the Bristol Dirt Race coming up Easter Sunday where Joey Logano is looking to defend his win. As I said, the race is on Sunday at 6 o'clock. It feels weird that they're going to be driving Easter Sunday. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't know why they couldn't swap it up like they did this weekend and you know run the trucks Friday night and have the Cup Series Saturday night. But that's just me. You know, the trucks, they will be running Saturday night instead. Uh, Martin Truex is the defending winner of that race. And as far as I know, he has not entered in it. So we we should have a first-time winner in that race. Hopefully, Mother Nature again, you know, cooperates a little better than last season. And we can have a good, you know, good weather day, perfect race conditions. And just if I'm being completely honest... Hopefully, this will kind of end the dirt experiment with NASCAR. I would like to see them go back to just the regular Bristol. I think it was a cool one-off that they could do when the pandemic's going on, something to try just to see if it sticks. Ultimately, if you want to go to a dirt track, I'd say go to Eldora, go to Knoxville like the truck series. You know, there, there's no need to take, you know, one of your best tracks and completely change the dynamic of it just to try and put on a, a show. Bristol is Bristol. It's legendary in its own name. Hopefully next spring they'll be running a race on the concrete instead of the dirt at Bristol. And that'll do it for this episode of Three Wide. I appreciate y'all for joining me again. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast and Stitcher Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at 3Wide3. And I hope you all enjoy and have a good weekend, Easter weekend, and are able to kick back and enjoy some dirt racing and spend some quality time with family and friends. And we will see you again next week.